Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is October 25th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my recap and takeaways from the game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. Unfortunately, this was another loss for the Dolphins. It came on a last-second field goal by Youngway Koo. The Falcons won this game by a score of 30-28. This moves the Falcons to 3-3, three and three, and the Miami Dolphins fall now to 1-6, and six, and that is their actually their sixth straight loss of the season. So, of course, we're all aware of how the Dolphins have kind of been sputtered out of control. So to get into this game, game, this game began with the Dolphins coming out on that opening drive and they came out looking very well. If you're on social media, you probably saw a bunch of people tweeting things like the Dolphins first script is always great, things of that nature, because it seems like that opening drive they have is always pretty smooth. And it was like that in this game. They came up dicing the Falcons defense. Tua was looking great, just buttery smooth. It was great to see. But then after that drive, That is where things began to kind of stagnate for the Miami Dolphins as it typically goes. And that means more of those dink and dunk passes, more of those plays around the line of scrimmage. If it's a third down situation, anything beyond like five yards, it seems like the team gives up. And that is kind of what started happening. And what coincided with that is then the Dolphins defense started not playing at a high level, especially when it came to tackling. We saw guys like Cordero Patterson really start to rip apart and go through the middle and guys were unable to get him down. Adam Butler on one play in particular was able to lay a big hit on the line of scrimmage, but he still was able to manage forward. That was actually Mike Davis who made the run on that play. So that kind of embodied what was happening on the defensive side of the ball for Miami. So far, everything appeared to be in Miami's control, but then the Dolphins were able to drive down the field. There was an opportunity for Jason Sanders to kick a field goal and it ended up getting blocked. The Falcons just burst through there, easily got through, and that is really where the momentum started to shift. The Falcons took over from that drive and they were able to connect, move down the field and find Calvin Ridley for a five-yard touchdown. Now, if you remember, I said the Falcons have two main receiving threats to worry about. Kyle Pitts, who ended up having a huge day in this game, and the other one was Calvin Ridley, who caught this touchdown. On that play, he was left unaccounted for. He was able to go in motion. The defense lost track of him. Whatever the case is, you cannot leave Calvin Ridley unaccounted for. That is the best receiving option on their team, and he was left wide open on that play. Now, as we're nearing the half, the Dolphins get the ball back. Uh, Moving into Atlanta territory, it was nearing halftime. Now, you're probably already aware of what happens here. There's 40-some seconds left. The Dolphins are near the the Atlanta 17-yard line. They're definitely in the red zone, capable of at least coming away with a field goal in this situation. Worst case scenario, the Dolphins should be able to tie the game up heading into the half, which would be great. Now, this is where Tua Tungavailoa's worst mistake of the game came. He threw into double coverage to Durham Smythe, and it was picked off in the end zone, and frankly, A.J. Terrell was also in the vicinity. This throw overall should not have been made. Uh, Tua himself said it was a bad decision. I've seen people on Twitter try to place blame on either the coaching, oh, Durham Smythe shouldn't have been out there, if it was Mike Gesicki, if it was Devontae Parker. I frankly don't care about any of that. uh, The situational awareness, you should be better 
better than that to make that throw. Worst case scenario, throw the ball away. Worst case scenario, take the sack. On that play, Jalen Waddle was open underneath and Tua still elected to make the play for the end zone. That was a very bad play. And if that play alone wasn't bad enough, the Falcons take over. And if you remember throughout this game, the Dolphins have been looking okay offensively, but they've been putting in a ton of effort to move the ball. The Falcons have 36 seconds left on the clock and they're in back deep in their own territory. They connect with Kyle Pitts on a big 39-yard reception. All credit goes to Pitts on that play. One-handed with Eric Rowe draped all over him. That was a tremendous play. The Falcons continue connecting on several passes. Next thing you know, they're easily in Miami territory to make a field goal. They're able to push the ball 60-some yards with 30 seconds left to connect on a field goal and to extend their lead. What appeared to be a tie heading into the half now became one of the more demoralizing moments of this game. Now, as we came out here for the second half of football, things did not improve defensively for Miami. This is when Matt Ryan connected with Russell Gage on a big 49-yard reception for a touchdown. If you look at that, it looks like Xavier Howard's effort is minimal on that play. It also appeared to be cover four. For whatever reason, Javon Holland, who I thought overall had a pretty good day, ends up biting on that route. Russell Gage is able to beat him big over the top. Big pass lobbed over the top. Russell Gage turns around, falls into the end zone. Easy touchdown. Now, I mentioned Javon Holland. He had a pretty good game overall throughout this one. He had a sack in this game. He was laying down the hammer. There was a big play where he hit Calvin Ridley. Initially, it looked like a fumble was ruled incomplete. Overall, his energy, especially on punt returns, was there. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Javon Holland, but on that play, it appeared like he messed up big, and there was another play towards the end of the game, which I will talk about, where it appeared like Javon Holland may have messed up just a little bit. Now, we move on, continuing through this game. The Dolphins are able to get a, an offense back flowing a little bit. They find a touchdown. They move down the field. They connect with Mike Gesicki to a tongue of Iloa. High points a pass. Lobs it up there. He had tried this earlier on a pass. Fabian Moreau somehow was able to break it up, but this time he finds Gesicki. Mismatch. I love that play. You have your man over there in Gesicki. Tua didn't hesitate to recognize it. Overall, good play there. Now we move on throughout this game. There's an interesting play here that occurs where Matt Ryan connects with Calvin Ridley, but whatever is happening, Xavier Howard is able to make this tremendous effort on the ball where he's able to knock it loose and while they're both tumbling around near the floor, Xavier Howard somehow reaches almost behind himself to snag the ball up and he's able to reel in the interception. All of a sudden, momentum is now in favor of Miami. That was a huge play, a heads up play. I still don't know how, how he was able to pull that off. This was a defense that was struggling, but you know what? At least now they're able to get some turnovers. The Dolphins have the ball in Atlanta territory on their 30-yard line. Now, Tua Tungavailoa takes over here, and on that first play, after that turnover, he throws an interception. Now, I will say on this one, I don't think it was completely all on Tua. Austin Jackson appeared to whiff on a block, and he had a defender right in his face, but nonetheless, as he is getting pulled down, he makes a bad decision, tries to do too much, throws the ball, and gives it right back to Atlanta. So again, this one, whereas a ton of the blame on that last pick all goes to Tua, this one's a little bit more distributed among several players, predominantly the offensive line, but I'm not going to say Tua is completely rid of blame on this play. He was trying to do too much throughout the game. He was kind of playing within himself and looking pretty good when doing that, but on this play in particular, he tried to do a little too much, 
He gave the ball back, and not only was it intercepted, but Atlanta was able to take it all the way down the field, nearly get a pick six on that play, and they were deep in Miami territory. They're able to convert on a few plays. Cordero Patterson runs it in for a three-yard touchdown. All of a sudden, things are not looking good. Nonetheless, the Dolphins came out here. Tua was not quitting on this team. He made another impressive drive down the field, which was capped off by a touchdown pass to Miles Gaskin in the flat. Wide open, was able to run in for a touchdown. Great play there. The Dolphins are all of a sudden kind of back in this game. Now, they got even more back into it when Matt Ryan had this realization that he, in fact, was Lamar Jackson. He saw a reflection in somebody's helmet and saw Michael Vick in his own eyes. And guess what? He was not that guy. And he got hit from behind, fumbled the ball while he was trying to make a little juke move. The Dolphins recovered. Nick Needham was there. All of a sudden, that same way after that one turnover, the Dolphins once again have momentum in their favor. This time, Tua is able to capitalize. Another impressive drive. Connects with Jalen Waddle along the sideline. An awesome job to get his feet inbound. He's also able to utilize his legs, embraces for a big hit, absorbs it, still falls forward for the offensive line. Tua Tungavailoa is looking good at this point in the game. Looking very good. The heart, the, the willpower, all of that. Just extremely admirable at this point in the game. They're able to score a touchdown. He finds Mac Hollins in the back of the end zone. The Dolphins now have a lead in this game. It is up to the defense here to make a stop. And when it came down to the defense in this final moment making a stop, they were unable to do that. Matt Ryan initially found Kyle Pitts for a gain of 23. He then found Kyle Pitts yet again, this time with Xavier Howard in coverage. It was a dime of a pass right in between. Not just Xavier Howard, Javon Holland was also there. It didn't matter. Kyle Pitts was able to reel it in along the sidelines. They are able to continue moving the ball into field goal range, and with the clock winding down, Youngway Koo again kicks the game winner. The Falcons win 32-28. Now, to get into some of my thoughts and my takeaways, we'll begin with something that's a little bit on the lighter of notes on this one. The first one here is that the running game looked a lot better. At one point, the commentator even said, where was this running game from Miami all season? And I'll tell you why it looks so good, and that was because Malcolm Brown left on the first drive of the game with a quad injury and was unable to return. So hopefully, of course, uh, Malcolm Brown's injury isn't too serious, but I do think Miles Gaskin should be the guy. He was the guy in this game, led the team in carries, had 15 for 67 yards, 4.5 per carry, also had that receiving touchdown. When you watched him make the runs, it looked like there was times where there was nothing there. He was able to reverse the field, move north and south. I loved what I saw from Miles Gaskin in this game. Again, I don't think Malcolm Brown at any point should be on the field unless the Dolphins only need to pick up one yard or anything like that. He's completely one-dimensional. He's not a receiving threat. I don't care about all those narratives that Miles Gaskin's terrible as a pass protection guy. Whatever the case is, the benefits of having Miles Gaskin on the field completely outweigh the cons in that situation, if you're asking me. They need to continue rolling with Miles Gaskin. And Savon Ahmed as well also had a pretty productive day. Seven carries, 26 yards, also had two catches for 26. Overall, these two guys should be handling the bulk of the work, not Malcolm Brown. Now, to get into my next takeaway, this one's going to be the 
the hard hitter. It's going to be, well, how was Tua Tungavailoa's performance? Overall, if you look at the entire picture, Tua had a very good game, if you're asking me. 32 for 40, 291 yards, a career high four touchdowns. And I went on Twitter, kind of got a little bit of flack for saying this, but I said that Tua displayed a lot of heart in this game. It was admirable what he was able to do, the way he fought back in this game. There was a ton of good moments. But the mistakes he made in this game also, they weren't little mistakes. It wasn't like the one last week where he elected to not run for the uh, run for the first down on third and two and went for the pass. That was a little mistake. The mistakes he made in this game were big. They were costly. They could be considered, uh, you know, game costing kind of mistakes. That pick in the end zone to end the second half, the first half, I mean, shouldn't have even been thrown to begin with. On the other drive with momentum, everything in your favor, you cannot throw a pick, especially on the very first drive when you're already in Atlanta territory. Why are are you trying to do too much? Those were very bad picks. And while I do think other areas of the team, again, deserve more blame than Tua did for this game, the defense as a whole, as an entire unit, was not good. But to say they completely failed Tua in this game as if Tua did nothing wrong, I think would not be fair. When the defense gave Tua a good opportunity to succeed, he failed them. And when Tua was able to ignite the offense, that is when the defense failed him. It was a joint effort in this game. But with that being said, I think the whole narrative of Tua being a bust at this point is just completely gone. I don't think it's going to kill the Deshaun Watson rumors because I don't think that's a matter of the Dolphins are only going to do this if they think Tua is a bust. I think it's more so if they feel like they could get an upgrade with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson, at least from a player performance perspective, is very good at football. But to say that Tua is a bust at this point or will be a bust, there is nothing to indicate that. If the Dolphins feel desperate enough to go out and make a move where they bring in Watson and maybe trade Tua. To me, it won't be a matter of them thinking that Tua won't amount to anything as an NFL player. Tua's proven enough that he could be a franchise quarterback, at least based on his trajectory at this point. Whether that means he's going to be a franchise quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, whether that means he's going to be somebody like Kirk Cousins or Tannehill, or whether that means he could even continue improving to like Russell Wilson territory, I'm not entirely sure, but he at least looks like some Somebody who would be able to command an offense for several years and do a pretty respectable job at that. Now, will that be enough for the Dolphins, who again lost six straight and are probably feeling desperate to go out there and not make a move for Deshaun Watson? I can't say that because Deshaun Watson, again, an extremely high amount of risk. I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if any team would be willing to embark on that treacherous journey, but from a talent perspective, Watson is incredibly good. If you watch the way he throws the ball, the zip he displays is impressive. Whenever I watch Tua kind of throw those out routes, it takes a bit to get there, and it is a little bit concerning. None of that happens with Deshaun Watson. He's able to connect on those windows, but there's a ton more baggage when it comes to Watson. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. I'm not sure anybody does, but we will find out as we get closer to the trade deadline. Now, the next topic that I have here is that Chris Greer is just so, he's gone. There's nothing he can do. He might make that Deshaun Watson move to try to salvage his tenure here. Nothing's going to happen. He is as good as gone. Not only has there been the narratives I've been talking about 
about, uh, you know, with having guys like Justin Herbert doing well and then having Trayvon Diggs instead of Noah Igbenogany, all of that. But now you have a situation where the Dolphins traded out of that number three spot where they could have picked Kyle Pitts and he went out there and torched the team. He made several big grabs, including that one to wrap up the first half and then the, the daggers on that final drive to put the Falcons in field goal range. Seven catches for 163 yards. The guy looked absolutely unstoppable in this game. On top of that, you have Jamar Chase, the other receiver the Dolphins elected to pass up on. He just dropped 200 and a touchdown against the Ravens, a very talented secondary over there in Baltimore. Dropped 200 and is also looking unstoppable on pace to break records. And I'm definitely liking what I've seen from Jalen Waddle. This isn't a knock on him. This is more so just a knock on, uh, you know, Barry Jackson went out and he tweeted that it seems like the Dolphins got the third best guy out of the bunch here in Jalen Waddle, which is not a bad thing. I mean, Jalen Waddle could end up being an extremely talented guy. He is definitely flashing a lot and he may not be utilized properly like many of us would hope, but Kyle Pitts looks phenomenal. Jamar Chase, you guys remember how big I was on him before the draft and leading up to the draft. I really wanted Jamar Chase. It's painful. It seems like the Dolphins kind of outsmarted themselves as Barry Jackson said in that tweet. I think they should have just gone with Kyle Pitts. They should have just gone with Jamar Chase. Again, if you're asking me, Jamar Chase is just a stud. But Jalen Waddle, who knows? He could still prove himself. He doesn't look bad by any means. It's just painful, and I think that's going to be enough to really solidify that Chris Greer is gone. On top of that, Hunter Long in the third round, the guy was inactive again for this game. There are more picks recently that don't make sense than picks that do, it seems like. So to stick with the tight end position, my next takeaway here is that the Dolphins shouldn't have let Mike Kosicki walk out of that stadium without a contract extension. Again, Mike Kosicki's been turning it on recently, and the catches he's making are extremely impressive. They're not just, you know, garbage time kind of receptions or he's being left open. He is making some quality quality plays out there and it's just a given. If you let this guy walk away, he's going to be a stud with another team. It's almost a guarantee at this point. His athleticism, he just needs to continue being fed. Seven catches, 85 yards, and that leaping touchdown over a guy. I mean, the guy looks great. He is going to be in the conversation for one of the top five tight ends this season. He's on pace for that currently right now. Overall, Mike Gesicki is just turning it on right now. The Dolphins season may be done right now, but you have to start looking towards the future. Gasicki is somebody that can definitely be a cornerstone, part of an offensive foundation for years to come. Extend this guy and worry about the rest later. Now, my last and final takeaway here is that, is it time to strip away the title of defensive guru from Brian Flores? Because this was another very defeating performance from this defensive unit. Matt Ryan threw for 336 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Again, if you remember back in the preview episode, Matt Ryan was a guy who wasn't throwing the ball downfield. He was last in the NFL in air yards per attempt. He was third in completed air yards. All the passes he were completing was near the line of scrimmage. In this game, he was just connecting with Kyle Pitts deep at will. Eric Rowe was getting exposed. They tried putting Xavier Howard on him. That didn't work. The deep ball to Russell Gage. I mean, if you're having trouble stopping Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, and then you go up against a team in the Falcons that basically uh, have two weapons offensively and they have a kick returner as their running back and you're unable to stop them, then I don't know how you can retain the defensive guru status after that. The defense needs some serious work. They completely let down this team in this game. It was an 
overall solid performance. Tua, again, had his mistakes, but I think the most majority of the blame here is going to fall with the defensive side of the ball. So guys, I would love to know what you guys think after this. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. If you enjoy the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would mean a lot. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.